Um, so uh, this week is the start of our annual three-week uh, vision series, where we talk a bit about uh, what it is that, that we feel like the Lord is, is laying out before us as a church. Uh, two weeks ago, um, I, was, I came before you, or three weeks ago, at our, our annual uh, year in celebration. I gave a little bit of a glimpse into uh, what it was, the, the word that I had gotten uh, for this year, and uh, it was this phrase, and, and uh, as I've been unpacking it, it's starting to make more sense to me, but in the moment, uh, the Lord just said, it's time to shine. And so I said, okay, Lord, uh, it's time to shine. It's a good word, but, but what does that actually really mean for us as we live here in this place, in this time, um, seeking to do whatever it is that you've assigned us to do? And uh, he, he's laid some things out, in, and we're going to look at them in a particular order uh, over the next three weeks. And uh, I think for this to make sense, I think we need to go back to uh, just reminding ourselves who we are and who we actually set out to be as a church. Um, talk a bit about our vision, our mission, our values. These are the things that we believe the Lord is calling the, the body gathered here in this place. Uh, this is the way we're, we're believing. He's, he's asking us to express um, his heart through uh, the people here at the river. So it starts off with a vision, and I'm going to invite you to read these along with me um, out loud, because I, I think there's, there's something in, in seeing it and reading it out loud that, that helps it stick into our memories a bit. And if you don't know these, our vision, mission, and values, this is a good reminder and, and a way to... Uh, connect with them again. So our vision, the vision of our church is this, if you would read this with me. We will be a center of renewal and revival for our city, region, and world. A center, not the, but a center of renewal, um, this personal and corporate transformation and healing and life change that only comes from seeking the person of Jesus. It's renewal, that, that we become renewed people that, that uh, bring revival. We bring that transformation and that healing and that life change to the systems and the structures and, and uh, the people all around us. That they would experience this same life in Christ that we're learning to walk in together. For our city, we say city, Listen, I know Pearl River's a hamlet. We're in Orange Town. There's Rockland County. Uh, some are from North Bur We're just going to say city. Just this encompassing local area, our region, um, and our world. That's our moonshot. That's the thing that we will always be chasing after, but probably never quite fully get there as God keeps bringing people in who need a renewal, we will continue to be that center for renewal as long as uh, those, those people and those places around us need revival, we will bring revival. And we commit to this. This is our vision. Our mission here as, as a body, this is the way we see that the Lord is laying it out for us to do this. Again, if you would read this with me. We will equip, 
and release the body of Christ to do the work of Christ by being fully given to the presence of God, family of God, and the mission of God. We will equip uh, every time we do, we do anything, either it's Sunday morning or a workshop or when we're gathered in river groups, um, when we sit down and we have coffee together, uh, we're, we're equipping, it's discipling, it's, it's iron sharpening iron, it's, it's us becoming more like Jesus together. We will equip and we will also release the body of Christ. That's you and me. to do the work of Christ, bringing that revival by being fully given to God's presence, to his family, and to his mission. And as we talk about um, this, this vision for 2019 and, and um, it being time to shine, we're going we're gonna to talk about that in terms of what it means for us as we pursue presence and family and mission. But one more thing, and these are, these are the things that we value. And these value statements have a lot of meaning. You're going to see some of these things highlighted in yellow. They're words that, that ought to jump out to us. Um, that everything we do, we, we want to do through the lenses of what it is that we value. So if you would read these with me. We will live our everyday lives doing the work of Jesus in his name and authority through an overflow of intimacy with the Father. We will be transformed by the written and spoken word of God and encounter his manifest presence. We'll talk about that more later. We will live from our identity in Christ, devoting ourselves to each other in love, cultivating authentic relationships, and living generously. We will empower the next generation to be fearless and fruitful. We will reproduce kingdom-minded servant leaders who bring creative solutions to neighborhoods and nations. And we will expand the kingdom through creativity and risk-taking. In case you forgot, this is who we are. This is who God has called us to be. We're not there yet, um, but every year the Lord gives us some direction that helps us get a little bit closer. Today we're going to talk about uh, that direction. Now, uh, in 1879, a man named Thomas Edison got credit because he did what? He invented the light bulb. Actually, Thomas Edison invented the filament that would burn the longest that went into a light bulb that had been being developed since uh, like the early 1800s by a man named Humphrey Davy when he first connected a carbon filament to a battery that burned really bright for a short period of time until the battery drained. There are on record at least 20 uh, examples of light bulbs that were invented along the way until Edison finally got the filament right. He found the thing that would last the longest, that would burn the brightest. But back in the early 1800s, there was this knowledge that 
there is a problem for all of humanity, and we had a light problem. Sure, we could make a fire and sit by the light of the fire, but what's the problem with fire? It takes a lot of work to keep the fire going, doesn't it? Man, there are days I'm like, it's 65 degrees today. It's a beautiful day. It's going to be a nice night. I should go light a fire in my fire pit. But it feels like it might be a little bit too much work. Can you imagine if that was your every day? Like, your job in the family was to be the person who all day long made sure there was wood, that the wood was kept dry, and kept that fire stoked and burning so you could cook, and you could clean, you could be warm, and maybe you could read. Then came the lamp, and we figured out how to harness by, by a, a wick dipped in oil light that would burn at the top of a lamp. And the flame was often probably about that big. Doesn't give off a whole lot of light, does it? Although it would burn a little bit longer, and you could control maybe the, the flow of, of, of the amount of oil that's coming through to turn it up brighter or to make it dimmer. But there was still an issue, not with the light itself, but with the way that we access the fuel. And so, at the beginning of the, at the late 1700s, early 1800s, electricity is starting to become a thing. You know, this thing that I think we often take so for granted. Electricity becomes a thing, and man goes, hey. Some, somebody probably went, I'm really tired of grabbing wood. Maybe there's a better way to do this. And maybe this electricity thing, maybe there's a way to get a constant source of power to bring light that will burn bright and constantly. And so it starts with Humphrey Davy with the first electric light all the way to Thomas Edison getting all of the credit uh, because he made a filament that worked the best. So our vision in uh, 2019 uh, is based off of this verse in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus is with his disciples and he tells them, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And here he's talking about an oil, little oil lamp that we put up on the stand and it would provide enough light for everybody in the room. Man, electricity would have freaked them out. Um, so when we're talking about this light, the light that, that Jesus is talking about is not necessarily just a lamp. He's saying, in you, because of me, and because your faith in me, I have provided for you a constant source of power by the Holy Spirit. which the light that, that I want to shine through you, my light, will burn bright and it will be constant. And so for us to understand what it means to be, to be the light of the world in terms of how we engage uh, God's presence, in terms of how we are fully given to God's presence, we need to do two things. First, we need to acknowledge this morning that our light has a source of power. 
And second, we need to acknowledge that we have a need to be connected to that source for our light to shine. That source being God's presence. And this morning we're going to talk about what it means for us as we look to let our light shine and and be the light of the world that Jesus has called his disciples to be by how we practice the presence of God. And so for us to begin to understand this practice of God's presence, we need to first realize that the practice of God's presence um, is more than just doing a bunch of things and more than, than uh, doing a lot of, you know, the religious ritual. It is the actual relationship with a person, with this relationship with God, this Holy Spirit that is in you, the constant source, the fuel to the light that comes by relationship with Jesus. That moment, again, that we said yes to him, he turned on the power switch of your soul. Think of it like each of you is your own house in a neighborhood. Those were born until that moment that we say yes and we we give our lives fully to Jesus and and we say, yes, Lord, it is is you and you alone uh, who I can believe on for salvation. Until that moment, you're like a house that is not connected to the grid. People can drive by and go, that's a really nice looking house. It's decorated nice. There's no power. There's no light. So when darkness comes, it gets really dark. He's saying, listen, In this relationship with a person, I'm going to connect you up to the grid. That God is the source of our light. And there's scripture that that confirms this. John 1.5 says, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. John 8.12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. As we practice God's presence together, we, we get to know the source of the light. It is God himself. Second is as we seek to practice uh, God's presence together, as we continue to, to, to pursue the light together, we, we recognize and must acknowledge that this practice, this is forged only in what we would call the secret place. It is that place where you meet with God. where we meet with him and and the manifest presence of God. We talked about that before, the the real, tangible, personal, felt presence of a person with us. Uh, 
marks us with every encounter. In Scripture, we, we can go back to Moses and his story and, and his experience, what we call the tent of meeting. There's a story in Exodus 34. Moses called up to meet with God on Mount Sinai, where God's going to give him the Ten Commandments. And he goes up, and he's spending time with God face to face. The, the radiance of God is, is, is there with him, and he's in God's presence, and he comes down off the mountain, and the people notice that his face is shining. Because he spent time in God's presence, it, it changed his physical look. It actually radiated from him. His light was shining. Then he continues to meet with God in, in what they call the tent of meeting. And Moses would go into this tent that was set up, and he would meet with God. Uh, scripture often says, like, face to face with God, that, that close encounter, that's a table. With God's manifest presence. That's why I should never walk with my eyes closed, but I do. He's meeting with God, and, and the scriptures say that whenever he would come out, he would actually go in and he'd, he'd cover his face, and then when he would come out, his face would continue to be radiant whenever he came out because he was in God's presence. The light, the light of, of the presence of God was so, so radiant for Moses that everybody around him could see it. One of our uh, mentors in prayer, uh, and, and, and one of mine here at the river, a man named Fred Hartley, in a book called Church, God on Fire, um, uh, talked about his own account. He says, you know, he had read, he says, I had read my Bible, I'd done was what, everything that was expected of me as a Christian, but one night, Christ blew me away. He said, I didn't speak in an unknown language, nor was I in some heightened emotional state. There wasn't anything crazy going on around me. But for the first time in my life, I caught a glimpse of the glory of God. And from that moment on, I was branded. This moment in the presence of God marked him. He says, I've never since wanted to settle for anything less than the manifest presence of God. My life has been marked by encounters with the manifest presence of God. Moments where I recognized that, that what was going on uh, around me or was going on in that moment, in that place, in that place of prayer, in, in the, that secret place of intimacy with God, it, what was going on in that place was that sense that I am in the presence of a person who is so much greater, so much different than I am. They now have perspective of, of where my life, what it means to, to see God's glory and experience it. There's one particular moment a number of years ago I was... Um, I 
I was overseas and I was at a, a conference and um, I had a friend who was praying for me and I was, man, I, I, I felt, I was just so overwhelmed and I was so stressed out and, you know, I was in seminary and I was working three jobs and we had two kids at the time and I think another was, was going to be coming on the way and um, just felt like, man, I'm at the very end of myself and um, I just need more. It's like I, 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 I know my light is shining, but I feel like there's got to be some way to turn up the thermostat. You know what I mean? To like turn up the flow. And what ended up happening was, I told this to a friend, he says, well, um, we can pray, but, but looking back on it in this moment, what he did was he prayed a prayer over me very quick and simple, but it was a prayer that I was in agreement with that I needed to surrender in that moment. In that moment of surrender, God brought me to the secret place. He revealed his love, showed me what was dark, but his light was far greater. And I emerged a very different person from that. See, as we practice the presence of God, we know that it is a relationship that is forged in the secret place. And as we continue to practice God's presence together, not only is it this relation to the person that's forged in the secret place, but it is absolutely and must be sustained by prayer. If we are going to be the light of the world, as Jesus is instructing us to be, we've got to be plugged in. And we get plugged in through prayer. Our, our movement, the Christian Missionary Alliance, says that it is prayer that is the primary work of God's people. If you belong to Jesus, it doesn't matter what else you do in your life, if your primary work is to pray. And when we pray, we are connected. We are already connected. We just take advantage of the fact that we have this direct current of, of light and life that is, is flowing to us from the very throne room of heaven, and we access it. I'm going to make a bit of a confession to you. Maybe you'd be willing to confess with me, too. I'm not always great at being faithful in prayer. Anybody with me? Come on. That's like, listen, if we're going to be light, <laughs> we've got to admit, I'm not all, we're not always faithful in prayer, are we? I don't really view, like, prayer as the primary work that God has called me to. Here's why I think that prayer is, it's a beautiful thing that that would be the primary work of God's people, um, is that in prayer we can, we can boast in nothing. There's no, there's no, there's no, I get no accolades or glory in that place. I 
do get him telling me I love you. Do get him telling me I, I've got everything you need for life and godliness. I'm going to give it to you. I do get to hear him tell me and affirm that I'm his child. I, do, I get to hear him. I get to lay out the, the, the longings, the desires of my heart and give it to him and tell, allow him to tell me what to pick up and what to lay down. I get to learn how to, to walk in humility. See, it is in this practice of God's presence that we truly learn to be light. Because we learn to be like him in every way. 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing uh, to the church in Corinth there. And he tells them now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, remember I said uh, Moses would go in, he would veil his face in the presence of God, and then he would come out and be radiant. And we all, with unveiled faces, right? Now with the, the glory of God residing in us by his Spirit, we contemplate the Lord's glory we are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And as we pray, this becomes the sustaining mark of our life. We, we walk in freedom. We walk in, in knowing his glory. We become transformed we, we contemplate more and more what it means to be like him. To be that light that is always turned on, connected to the source of him, the Lord, by his spirit. And so we, we look at this and we say, okay, so as as. We, we look at how we're going to, to be light this year. It's time to shine, right? And, and as we pursue this in our value of, of presence, how do we actually do this? Like, what, what's the way that I can, can do this? Like, if I want to start doing this right now, what do I need to do? What do I take advantage of? This is what we do. First, we've got to make space to practice God's presence. Got to make space. That means it's reflected in your schedule. Uh, one of the best ways we learned to do this in the last couple of years um, was the idea of a 10-minute retreat. That every day you would take a 10-minute retreat. Find 10 minutes in your morning. Maybe 10 minutes during your commute. 10 minutes uh, at the end of your day, 10 minutes at some point where you're just stopping and you're getting into a place where it's just you and it's him. Where he's allowed to speak. You're getting filled up. You're, you're remembering that you are plugged into a source of light. And maybe it starts there. Ten minutes a day. What could it look like if, if we as a body committed for the next 30 days 
to do a 10-minute retreat every day. 10 minutes. Sometimes we go, oh man, it's been like four or five days, and then we overcompensate. We're like, I'm going to spend three hours with Jesus today. And then we get out in the woods or whatever it is we end up doing, and we're like, oh, shiny thing. And, or, you know, we go, and we're so tired already and exhausted that we close our eyes and we fall asleep. And then we go, oh, I took a nap. It was the most spiritual thing I could do. I'm like, no, I took a nap because you're utterly depleted. And we can't walk depleted anymore. We have a constant source of power that is available to us at all times. Let's not negate it. Let's not ignore that that's real. The Spirit is in you. The presence of God dwells in you. Ten minutes a day, at least. Maybe you work up to 20, maybe someday 30. Maybe some days you're like, they used to say, I think it was like D.L. Moody, his, his assistant would walk in and he'd, he'd be on his face in his office and he'd already been down there for like four hours. Maybe that'll be you. But maybe we can start at 10. We can seek out praying people. You know who they are. You know because there are days on Sundays when you walk into church and there's a lot going on in your life, and that's the person you're trying to avoid the most. <laughs> yeah, we needed that laugh. Um, because they figured something out about this rhythm of life that makes, that makes the practice of the presence of God the, the central the most important thing that they do. There's nothing more important. You just seek those folks out. Get some coffee, sit down and go, how do you do this? Because I'm, I'm a mess. And then sit back and take notes. Listen. Maybe even ask them, hey, could we maybe get together once in a while and pray? Could, could you teach me how to pray? It's a humbling thing to ask, but your life will be changed forever. It may be the very most important question you can ask at this point in any of our Christian lives. Can we get together and pray with each other? Could you teach me? And discipleship at its basic, basic element passing on what we have learned so that others could be better than we are. And Jesus might come back sooner than any of us ever expected. We can prioritize our Sunday gatherings. This is not my ploy to go, hey, let's get those numbers up. <laughs> right? My hope is that you recognize from the moment you step foot in those doors, you to a prayer meeting. That 30 minutes before we start, we're gathered up here and we're praying. That as folks are coming in, they're getting ready to serve in the morning and they're setting up the welcome table and getting ready for kids and they're putting out coffee and they're praying. 
that the, the, the moment the first note gets struck up here, we like to say, and you've maybe often heard me say it, that I like to think about that time we spend in worship singing. It's just our songs, it's our prayers set to music. It's why we'll pray, it's why we'll stop and go, hey, let's stay in this one for a minute because I think there's some breakthrough. Let's pray this out, let's declare this out. Let's believe for this together. And then we pray and then we declare things over our offering that, that we believe, God, you're going to do something with this, that we're going to give back to you what it is that you've given to us because it's all yours. And God, that we believe that you're going to do something with this through this body. And then you get to hear me, I come up and, or someone else comes up and, and they preach. And at that point, some of you might be praying, God, let this end soon hope not. But knowing even the way that we preach here, nobody prepares and goes, I'm going to give you everything that's on here. I've scripted this thing out, and I'm going to go line by line, a bit by bit. But we're, we're praying, and we're, we're declaring what we've, we prepared all week, but we're still listening. Nothing I've talked to you about in the last 10 minutes is on a single note in my paper. Because, because every time we gather, it's a prayer meeting, first and foremost. There are folks up here to, to minister. These folks who are on the prayer team, they've been trained in how to pray. These are the folks, if you're like, hey, I need to seek someone out to pray, start with these folks. They, they, they know how to do this. And we come and, and we say, man, I need help. Would you pray with me? And even if you noticed on a Sunday... I joke about, about this with other pastors uh, that I know, and I go, hey, do you guys have this, this thing where like, people don't leave till 1 o'clock even though you're done at noon? That's rare. I call it linger and buzz. It's what happens when the presence of God is in a place. And you'll often see people just stopping and praying. See, prioritizing Sunday gatherings is a way to say, I'm prioritizing this, this encounter with God's presence in my life and to be with his people and to learn how to pray together so that my light can shine. Jesus has, has, has called me to let it shine. You can go to groups Go to river groups where you sit and meet. Those sign-ups are coming up soon, and, and you, know, you gather together and maybe have a snack and coffee, but there's good conversation, but, but it's there. Your story is heard, um, maybe in a way that it doesn't get heard here in a big group gathering, um, and people know how to pray with you. People are checking in with you. We're, we're, we're making ourselves a little bit vulnerable so that we're known, but as we're known, it creates opportunity for the presence of God to enter into our story in a greater way and to bring other people in with us who will say, you're not going to go through this alone. I will walk with you and I'm going to pray with you. And go to workshops. Uh, a few times over the last years, we've done things like hearing the Father's voice. Uh, we, we, we hold prayer trainings and prayer 
uh, prayer ministry trainings. Listen, uh, I'd love it if, if every single person that was in this church cast a little vision for you. Every single person in this church got in rotation on the prayer team because you've been trained to pray. You know how to get in the quiet place. And we pursue the presence of God to that level. So that the folks who come in who need it always know that they can find it here. Find people who know how to take them to Jesus. With more in our worship and prayer nights and prayer meetings that we have, there's so much opportunity for us. So back to our story, and, and, and as I kind of wrap this up here today, as we, we recognize this need to be in God's presence, to be connected to um, the source of power that is constant and current so that our light can shine. There's two thoughts I have. First, I, I like to think uh, a lot of times about the way that we let light shine and the light of God shine through us. Um, it's not necessarily like an on-off switch. Because if your salvation is in Christ and you've given your life to him and he's made the deposit of the Holy Spirit in you, um, the power's always on. So it's not like we go through life going, oh, the switch is off now, so there's no power. No, 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 like, the switch is always on. But I like to think of it more like it's a dimmer. That we turn up and we turn down. And some days we feel a lot dimmer, and there's a lot more darkness, but God is light, right? His desire is that light is turned on full blast, right? He is not, he is not, Stingy. I don't know if you grew up in a house. I, I watched Daddy's Home 2 this week, and there's this, uh, there, I know, I have such great taste in movies. Um, I watched Daddy's Home 2, and there's this one scene where the girl, they kept going, like, one of the dads wakes up, and he's just dripping in sweat. He's like, what's going on? And other people are sweating. They're like, why is it so hot here? What's happening? They look, and the thermostat's at 85 degrees because the 12-year-old girl who stayed in the room across um, likes to sleep with her window open. So she would walk out and she turned the thermostat all the way up and they couldn't handle it being turned up that high. The heat was so intense. It almost felt like too much for them. And she would go out. So they turned it down. They're saying, the thermostat is a sacred covenant. You never turn it down or you never turn it up that high. Like you leave it at this constant temperature because even if you, and this is a quote, even if you turn it up a degree or two, it could cost you hundreds of dollars. Does anybody else think about that when you're like turning up the, the thermostat, right? You, we make these moral decisions based on, man, like 68 would be really nice, but I do have thick socks, so 67 it is, right? So there's this, this reality that, that God is not stingy like that. He's like, man, turn that sucker up to 100. I, I, got, all the sort, I got all the power you need, and it's free. Your light never needs to be dim. It never needs to be cold in your house. In fact, go through, flick all, like, turn up the lights in every single room in the house and let it burn bright. Back to the story. 
Edison perfected that filament, but I found this to be interesting and maybe a bit of a prophetic moment for us. Edison perfected the filament that led to longer burning bulbs uh, that controlled light and light admittance and, and burned bright. Um, but there was a man who actually invented that filament type of light bulb that Edison ended up perfecting five years before Edison got credit for it. His name was Julian Brownsdorf. He created what was called an arc-type light bulb. He invented, like I said, five years before Edison uh, figured out the filament on that. But his light bulbs ended up in Washington, D.C. They ended up burning all throughout New York and all these other areas. He actually figured out the light, the, the way that it was supposed to be designed. Um, and then Edison finished it off. That could connect to that source. Do you know where Julian Brownsdorf invented that light bulb? It became the model of the bulb we used for 120 years before we started getting all LED. Well, more, well, actually at a, in, a lab, in a factory, in a laboratory, but even more, more location-driven, Julian Brownsdorf was the founder of Pearl River, New York. <laughs> Stephanie gets the prize. What is now the New York Center of Innovation, which was the Pfizer thing back in the day, was Letterly Laboratories. It was all, that's, that all traces back to Julian Brownsdorf. See, I, I believe there's actually some kind of connection and some kind of right we have to bring light to this community. It's already in the historical DNA here. It's time to start reminding folks, letting our light shine, that they know that they don't have to live in darkness. And so, River Church, it is time to shine by being connected to the presence of God and practicing that presence in a way we have never committed ourselves to doing it before. With more intentionality, intensity, more accountability. It's just time.